Hey, welcome back, everybody. I don't know what day of the week it is, so you'll hear me say that on everything because we never know when we're going to air these. Um, I'm super excited for today's guest. Um, Tommy Patrick of The Ballard Cut. And now, what's the new one called? Sailfish? Sailfish, that's right. So just a quick history, because before Tommy tells you about himself, I've done a lot of cool whiskey tastings. I've been fortunate to do some cool stuff. But what I did with Tommy a few weeks ago was just the epitome of a dream come true, sitting with what he has. So we'll get into that in a minute. Tommy, would you like to introduce yourself for a second? Tell people who you are and what's going on in your life and what you do a little bit. Um, I, my name is Tommy Patrick. I'm uh, from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in a small town outside of uh, Seattle that uh, I, I spent kind of a, a duality growing up in like uh, rural, uh, small town, and also uh, big city. Seattle is as big as you want to call that. Um, I've been in restaurants for 22 years now. I have done every position that you could think of from like a weekend dishwasher for the church crowd to uh, prep busboy, host expo, server, bartender, manager, now owner, operations director. Uh, I've worked uh, all up and down the West Coast. Seattle is definitely the the longest run that I've had, though. It's um, about 15 years now. Um, But I spent some time down in San Diego, L.A., a little bit of time in Portland, and then uh, up up to Alaska as well. Traveled pretty much around the world, um, really just trying to chase like different flavors and stuff like that. My brother always jokes and calls me a modern day spice trader because I'll I'll go somewhere and then I'll come back with like a suitcase full of chilies or or fruit, dried fruits or dried shrimp or you know just whatever whatever flavors that region has to offer, and then I'll come home and just play with anything and everything that I can. Um, I have been passionate about whiskey for a long time. I grew up drinking Jim Beam White Label and uh, when I thought I was fancy Maker's Mark. And <laughs> by the way, and, by the uh, way, Tommy, this is a common this is a common thread that I was not aware of until I started talking to more people. But Maker's Mark was really considered the upscale bourbon. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It was something where it was like when I wanted to try and impress somebody and be fancy, I'd order Maker's old fashioned and not just an old fashioned, you know? So that's, that was me. Um, we didn't really have money growing up. So I had to start working when I was around like 11 or 12, uh, in order to be able to go out and do like baseball camp and like, uh, go take the girl out and just, you know, like just do like the things that you wanted to do. Both my parents worked full time and, and, uh, they, they absolutely did their best, you know, but circumstances weren't really on our favor, uh, that, that, time frame in my life. So uh, working and, and uh, having an appreciation for whiskey uh, was uh, something that I started around like uh, working like almost full time by around like eight time, uh, 18. And then uh, my, my knowledge and uh, true appreciation for whiskey really started to shine when I was 21. I was running a bar out in uh, the town Port Orchard. And um, I, I have a young face. So when older like people would come into the bar and I would ask for their ID. They would jokingly, but somewhat seriously say, Oh, can I get your ID? And at the time it used to make me furious just because like I wanted respect. I wanted to be able to be taken seriously. 
because I love what I did and I wanted to be like one of the cool kids, you know? And then, uh, um, now looking back on different photos, I'm like, that's a child, you know? So I totally get where they're coming from. But I was having a conversation with my dad and, uh, it was when I started to kind of come to like the, come to terms with maybe I don't know everything. Maybe like, like quitting my job and moving down to San Diego to go sell weed wasn't the best move, you know? And after he told me not to, but I did it anyways, because like, what the hell does he know? Right. So I remember having the conversation with him where I was like, okay, I'm actually going to come to your advice. and I'm going to listen. And then so I, got a, um, I got a question on that, on that, because you said yeah. you turned 21 and now you have an appreciation of whiskey. Give me that turning yeah. point. What is it? Cause you've gone from beam and you're enjoying maker's mark. And like, what, what turned you at 21 to be like, Oh, there's more to this. Well, what, what turned me was uh, that conversation with my dad where I asked him what I should do about work because I was having problems getting respect from people. And, and he said uh, a very common thing to do when you want to be taken seriously at your job is become very knowledgeable about it and start to do a much better job at what it is that you're doing. And then I learned the, the linear chain of like, okay, if I become knowledgeable about my product then I got respect if i got respect my job got easier my job got easier i could focus on making my job better when my job got better i made more money and everybody was happier around me and that was the first time that i really learned that linear chain and when i started to drink different whiskey and and start to appreciate different whiskey was when i started to actually do some some deeper dives about like what the different types of whiskey were and uh one of the reasons that i have uh uh, a love obsession with uh, the brand Weller is because that was the first thing that somebody introduced me to when I said like, well, I, I enjoy Maker's Mark. And somebody said, oh, well, you like weeded bourbon. And then they're like, here, try this. And then I noticed that it was the same, but entirely different of a product. And that mm -hmm. really sparked the drive in me to be like, well, these two things are the same. And then somebody gave me the reference of, well, they, yeah, well, it's still chicken, but you can cook it two different ways with different flavorings. I'm like, huh. And then I just started gobbling up as much information as I possibly could about anything and everything around me, reading everything that I could, learning about all the different cocktails. And going, going back over to Seattle, I, I tried to get a job at a bar called The Triple Door, which is a, a music venue in the downtown core, part of like the nightclub and and like dance theater and like whatever, like just like big, big, like open venue like that. And um, I remember asking the guy for, for uh, a job as a bartender. And he's like, how do you make a Negroni? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. And I wasn't about to bullshit this guy, you know? So I was like, I, I don't know. And then he's like, then you're a bar back. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like I'm really good at bartending. I know how to make like a lot of great drinks. I know a lot about whiskey. And he's like, and he's like, well, how do you make a Negroni? I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like, then you're a bar back. And from there, I started my, my classic cocktail journey and just started going into, uh, and just started kind of going into uh, that range. And it just turned and into Tommy, a... On, on, on your thirst for knowledge is, because is, I'm taking your, line, you know, your linear thing and I'm going, man... Everything I've done in my life, I've never focused on the money, but I did realize that the more you knew and the more confident you were in your job, the easier it got and the more money you made. 
That's right. But but there had to be a passion. Like when you're when you're working, it's not a job. You truly are excited to learn. So when you go down this totally. cocktail avenue, you're just like, holy shit! Like this is you know the great outdoors. I can go anywhere with this. It's my yeah. I choose my destiny. Totally. And that was, and I think that that like passion came from, that was the, uh, like, it was what I enjoyed drinking, you know? And it was what, like, kind of having that like interesting, like experience growing up in Seattle and also like the small town, like people drank, people drank like nicer whiskey in Seattle. People drank, like we, nobody had money in Port Orchard. So like all of us just drank like just regular shitty bourbon. You know, and it was but you just also, something but that. But you also drinking for the effect of the shitty bourbon. You yeah. weren't drinking like, and oh my god, like I'm gonna th- I'm gonna swish it around in my mouth and pick out the flavors. You were just like, bro, it's booze. I'm drinking booze. Yeah. Yep. So and so, I mean, so, so was, for you doing that, I would imagine the cocktail thing had to be like a whole different because now you could dress the booze up, like the booze is in. Yeah. There, but you can now totally. you can add layers to it. Okay. <laughs> yep. And, and it was very interesting how all that different stuff kind of like worked out for me just because like that just opened up an entire new door. Like I thought that I was like Dorothy working my way in from like black and white into color going from being white label to, to different things of that nature versus, and now like, I was like, Oh, I'm, everything is in color. And then turns out there's a lot more out there. So when I started actually drinking like good cocktails, like good, good booze, like in good cocktails, I learned the phrase that there's like the, a drink is only as good as its weakest ingredient. So if you're using like great, great bourbon and like house made bitters and you just grab a bottle of trash vermouth, like, what are you doing? You know, you're not, so you're not giving just, that cocktail respect or yourself. No, you're yeah. not. That's right. So it just turned into a really interesting scenario for me and like how it all started to pan out became a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more in depth. And then the passion just got ignited even more from there where I was like, how do I continue to go about this knowing what I already know about this? And, and then, um, the road got a little bit more serious, you know, and then I became the spirits expert at every place that I was at. And then I started doing, just a variety of other different stuff, you know. Now give just, me, give me, stop on that. On on spirits expert. So you're at a bar. You make you, you probably put together this amazing cocktail list. You're super knowledgeable. It's kind of like, hey, this is the blueprint to success. I've created it. You run with it. Now you realize there's better whiskeys out there. You know, they just are for whatever rhyme or reason. It just happens that they are. What is um, because. Up until this point, you primarily you've gone from booze, you know, just to get the job done, you know, and now you're going yep. into like this this world of cocktails, and then now you're the spirits guy. So now you're going to start like decocktailing the cocktail and going to the main the main thing, which is the whiskey. Like, what's that transition? Like, how does that happen? Like, what did you drink? What Weller or what was what was a whiskey where you're like, hey, there's a rabbit because we're going to get to your rabbit hole. Like, but there had to be an yeah. opening for that rabbit hole. <laughs> the opening for the rabbit hole was scotch, where I started to kind of go into the range of how do I make this and, or like, how is it made? And that was going from Glenfiddich 12 to somebody gave me the 18. I was sitting at a bar and I was like, oh, I'll just take a Glenfiddich 12. And the guy's like, 
sounds like you've already had that one before. I'm like, yeah, I have. And then he's just like, why don't you try something different? And then I did that and I was like, oh. And then he's like, dude, there's so many single malts out there. Let's have a conversation. And that was my first whiskey flight. And I was like, what the hell is this? What you else know? was on that flight? Like, um, there was uh, Carcass from Lafroig. It was one of their Fay Isle expressions. And then um, there was uh, an Ardbeg. And I want to say it was the Alligator. And then there was you went, uh, so you went into, into a peated you went to a peated whisk into a peated whiskey party. Yeah, and then and I, well, I did two peated and two non peated, and then yep. one of them was an older open distiller's edition with the Montefino sherry cask, and then the uh, the Glenfiddich eighteen, and then uh, the Ardbeg and the Lafroig, and I was just like, what the hell is this? You know, and then all of a sudden, like my color wheel, like my, my palette that I was used to just got like blown up, you know, and just like earth shaking where I was like, what's going on? You know, so it was it was quite a fascinating scenario where I just like I just got to try all these like random things. And it was very cool. Which then then opens up, you know, you, the way your brain is patterned, you like, I want to learn more. I want to go. Yeah. I'm going to go in there. I mean, if you know. If I think about, it, I'd never drank Japanese whiskey in my life, and when I, you know, chance, tried that 2016 Sherry Cast, I was like, "Oh, they do something very special here." Like yeah, this, whoever totally. made this, like they didn't make it for money; they made yeah, this they out of love. Like I want yeah. to know who they are and what else they put their hands on because they work for love and not for money. Yeah, totally. And that was just kind of like like learning those, like the difference between those two things for like somebody like myself was just a remarkable moment just to like, and, and I started to appreciate it. That was also during the time frame that I really started to appreciate like really good food where like fast food was not in my vernacular anymore. And like, I wanted to go to restaurants and have like a good experience where I grew up with a service mindset of being like going camping and fishing and crabbing and clamming and voices and all that other fun stuff where it was just like, it was a really cool experience to be able to have those like rich, like full bodied flavor profiles that like you really can't get anywhere else, you know? And, and to be able to translate that concept into like that style of like what, what it is that you're mentioning in that, like where, where you taste something and you're like, Oh, this person really, really worked hard on this, you know? And like, this is not something that is normal. This is not something that is average. This is not your beam white label. This is not something that, and there's a time and a place for that for sure. But it's just like getting that more refined palate where it's like, I'm not drinking to get drunk anymore. Like I, I want to try this different stuff. And sure, of course it happens, you know, but I mean, when that happens, like the Evan black label comes out and then you don't worry about it, you know, but it's just one of those. I look at, I look at, you know, also in the position that you're at in these restaurants and stuff, you, the spark is sparked and you're meeting with all of these beverage reps. And, you know, I, I feel that 99% of restaurants shit the bed by not offering good whiskey, yet they offer great food because they, they do good wine. You know, like that's just such an easy out, high ring. Hey, if you have good wine, you can add money to the ticket. And I'm like, how about if you had great whiskey, you can add money to the ticket. Like, so you, you see this opportunity and I've got to imagine the places that you're working, you're kind of like, hey, I don't want to just have, and no disrespect to the Glenfiddich 12, you're like, 
I don't really want that on, on the menu. I want the 18. I want these things. I want like, I want people to remember the whole experience like you do when you go out to a great restaurant and you have great food and you never like, hey, what did you drink there? I don't know, we had a Cabernet. So you're like, I want to disrupt that. Where, where were you in time where somebody said, Tommy, just run with it? I was at a bar called uh, La Cosho where I, um, it's um, in the Native American dialect that, uh, of Duwamish, it translates as swine. So it's like a, um, the local uh, Native American uh, group that would say pig. Um, it was at that time that I saw creativity uh, explode with uh, within the chef, uh, within the restaurant, within these different things. And it was like really igniting a passion in me. And I wanted to do that for the bar program, but I wasn't the bar manager. And and I, I learned that I just kind of had to do it on my own at home. So when I was doing all these different things and I was like making all these different like bitters and shrubs and syrups and, and infusions and like all these different things. And I was like bringing them in and like testing them like at the bar and stuff like that. I remember getting kind of made fun at, uh, made fun of like, or like people would say that at me. Uh, during those, um, during some of those moments where they're like, Oh, what are you doing? You know? And like, it's, don't worry about that. Just make like classic cocktails. And, and, um, I, I remember pushing back on that being like, no, I, I really like this, you know? And then I, and then I got offered to start doing some classes. And then I got into a position where I was being uh, asked to do uh, private bartending on a pretty frequent basis. And where I'd go into, uh, either people's homes for like, um, a birthday or like some sort of like celebration or something like that. Or also uh, go there and do like a, a cocktail class or like a, a 101 course per se of like these different things and and it was a, a pretty cool moment where that was that was where I was like okay I'm on to something here and I'm just gonna take this as far as I can possibly go and that turned into collecting of different whiskeys and then like doing these different tastings and and it was a uh, kind of an interesting scenario where it's like and then after a certain period of time people start to bring it to you you know and well it, you, you become like, oh, you become yeah it's it's a bonding thing i mean one of the biggest things is you know you're doing this out of passion and the side effect obviously is you're getting these gigs and you're doing stuff and you're making money but your thirst for knowledge is your passion correct and, yeah, and, and that was you start to figure out where you can go with this, you know, and where you can source it. And, and you realize, I would imagine, like I've realized over the years, there is like an inner circle that will share the knowledge. Yeah. And I got I got accepted into a couple of those. And I had a couple mentors that like really like took me under their wing during those time frames where I just got to ask any question that I could possibly think of. And if they had the answer, great. And then if they didn't, then they're like, well, let's figure it out together. And so that really left a strong mark on me as far as it goes for the, um, the sake of, of like positive communication based um, things of that, you know what I mean? Where it's just like these different things were, were really coming in a good direction and people were happy to talk about this stuff. People were happy to nerd out about this stuff. And then it just like built in on itself and, and it just turned into like what it is today. Well, I, I tell people there's a certain commonality that people with passion share. 
is that they truly wake up every day excited for an opportunity to learn more. <laughs> like they yeah. just, it's never about like going to work or doing it. It's like, oh my God, I get to do something, whether it's talk to people, educate them, try something. It's like, I cannot wait to get this day started. Like I'm excited. No one ever is like, oh God, I got to go punch the clock and work and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll work as hard as it takes to get, you know, to do everything because that's just our personality. So, Absolutely. so you're at this bar. You're at you're at the, the, that place in the um, Lacoche. Lacosho, yeah, L E C O S H O. It's it's not currently there anymore, which is sad, just because uh, it was uh, right in the middle of the downtown core, and downtown didn't really fully recover in Seattle, and honestly, still really hasn't. But um, it's just one of those things that um, it just took a, a lot longer than something else, you know. So, so how long before? that turns into like so you're there you're, you're getting all this knowledge and you got you you know you're you're spreading your your mental wings into the world of whiskey how soon is it before you have what you have right now like what's the jump um it was an interesting scenario because i got um i got an offer to go up from Lakosho. i got an offer to go up to uh, a group of restaurants up in alaska and i did and I, and I took the offer. I went up there and, uh, from there, uh, I, I was running five joints for, for a lady named Risha and, um, I was having fun. Uh, Alaska wasn't really my jam, like as like a locale. Uh, but I learned a lot about operating restaurants. So when I came back, I didn't really have much, like I had like a really nasty breakup and, and, uh, I just kind of wanted to come back to Seattle and, and just, focus on me and focus on like, instead of like, cause I took myself super seriously. Right. And I was doing like all these events and like, I, I thought quite highly of myself and uh, I got knocked down a couple pegs on my, on my own little egotistical trip. So when I did that, I was like, you know, I'm just going to focus on myself and try to do something that makes me happy. So uh, I was doing that and I was actually collecting Nintendos. And what I was uh, doing with that is like, say you had like, a dusty system where like you just wanted to get rid of it for a hundred bucks, you know, and, and you wanted to sell it to me. And so I, as a kid, like in order to have a video game system, I remember uh, my first uh, like real uh, Nintendo uh, was a Nintendo 64 that my buddy spilled uh, Dr. Pepper all over. And uh, when he did that, it wouldn't work. So he gave it to me. I took it apart, cleaned it, put it back together and then put a cartridge in there and then fired right up. So that was how I got my first uh, Nintendo 64. And uh, so I started doing that to these different Nintendos as an adult, just as something to do for fun, just to be like, I'm, I'm just going to have a hobby that doesn't involve bars, restaurants, and like me taking myself so seriously. So, so I take your dusty system for a hundred bucks and I, I wanted like two or three of the games that I didn't already have. And uh, so I'd clean all of them, take the system apart, put it back together, refurbish it and and do whatever and then i'd sell it to somebody else like with seven games as a refurbished system for 150 bucks and then fire right up everybody loved it and then i take that 150 and then i buy somebody else's dusty growth system and then i do the same thing over and over again until i had a decent stack of cash and about 400 games and any system that you could think of in the nintendo family and as well as like all the little like things and whatever so i ended up selling all that and took that, the cash, and then I just started buying as many bottles of whiskey as I could. And I started doing whiskey tastings 
where I would do like, like a private event and I just like bring a bunch of like fancy bottles that nobody really had. And they're like, where'd you get that? And I'd be like, don't worry about it. Do you want some, <laughs> you know? So, um, and then uh, I'd like sell them shots of whiskey at like a whatever, like in, in somebody's like house as like a private bartender, you know? So it's all this, all this like private events and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, okay, well the host wanted these cocktails, but if you want this one, then you got to pay me for it. And they're just like, okay. So I started taking that money, then buying more whiskey. And just around in like different liquor stores. Well, like and, right, and, you, and you're buying, stuff. A, Tommy, you're buying a full spread, right? I mean, there's not like, you're oh, not yeah. like, oh my God. Like you're, 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 you're like, hey, it's an open palette. There's fucking 64 different colors. I'm going down each yeah. color. Okay. That's so you're right. not like, hey, and, you, like you, like it's, it's a true, I wouldn't say it's unfocused and undisciplined because it's 100% focused and disciplined, but it's a very big net that you're going after. Yeah, I am. I am non-judgmental about like yep. where whiskey comes from in the world or what style of it it is. I am judgmental about brands and expressions. Yeah. So, uh, but that being said, like Scotch, Japanese, and bourbon and rye were the the four major focuses on what it was, and like some particular Irish whiskey as well. But by and large, like it was like those those four uh, big styles. Uh, but so I'm just like going around to different liquor stores and like paying retail for all this different stuff. And sometimes like when you found one that was a little bit marked up and you're like, Oh God, I still want it. You know? So I'm like, I'm still shelling out all the cash for it. So then doing that and buying more doing that. And I'm like, I'm managing a bar full time called Gracia where I'm like helping to build their Mezcal inventory and like doing whatever. So I'm like working full time there. I'm doing my job full time and I'm hunting liquor full time too. So I was just like, I just had like zero, zero free time. I was doing one of those three things at all times when I was awake. And I just had like a mountain of booze that I had that was just all, you know what I mean? It was just, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, I mean, I remember the boxes yeah. when I first started doing it, like they just kept coming. Cause I'm like, <gasps> it's like, it's like every day was yeah. Christmas. Like I found this. I don't even know what it is, but I'm sure it's great. Oh my God. I found it. But the difference is you're opening yeah. them. Every single one of them. <laughs> like, like, that is, one of them. Like, like seriously? Okay, so, so you've got this mountain, and I've got to imagine your bar is coming soon into your life because you've got this mountain yeah. of booze. <laughs> okay, yeah. walk me through it. <laughs> so, so I started uh, – so Gracia is on Ballard Avenue where all, all of my uh, restaurants are currently located, and um, – the next door uh, restaurant uh, is called Carnivore and it wasn't doing too well. So, and there wasn't like, there wasn't ever like a ton of people in there, you know, and it was always just kind of like, um, um, you could tell that they were like definitely trying and whatnot, but like the concept of having a paleo restaurant in uh, Seattle, wasn't going as hot as they wanted it mm. to. So I ended up going and like, it took me months to, to beat the person down to like get them to actually like talk to me about selling their joint. So when I finally did, I, uh, um, I ended up bringing in a business partner and, uh, he had a stash of whiskey too. He used to work for the, uh, the state run liquor control board. Um, he's not too involved with it anymore, but, um, in the very beginning, like he brought in some, some bigger bottles and, and stuff like that too. So that was kind of cool. But, um, we, uh, I took my entire stash, you know, I think I had like, like, 160 bottles 160 different bottles 
and uh, some duplicates and, and stuff like that. But um, the uh, just took them and had all my receipts from the state and all, all the different ways that I like, got them and stuff like that, just in case somebody wanted to come in and be like, where the hell did you get that? You know, and I'm like, up in this like little liquor store in the middle of nowhere, here's all the taxes I paid on it, my dude, you know? And, and uh, just kind of going from there, uh, opened it up and we, we opened the joint on uh, June 11th of 2020. So our first day of service was uh, right, right when the uh, indoor dining restriction listed for uh, Washington state. And um, it was, quite an interesting time frame so it oh was, man compared it was, to all your years in the restaurant and club business like that's like all of a sudden like wait is, are they actually going to come or do we close at eight o'clock right you know and <laughs> at that point like we were super lucky just because people people just needed a place to go out to so it wasn't it wasn't because like we were doing a great job you know, it was because we were the only people doing a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my boys here in San Diego, they're like, we're just going to be open because no one else yeah. is open. So by guilt, by, de- by default, we're going to get business because we're open. Like we're showing right. up to work. So yeah. how many bottles are in Ballad right now? Like how many do you have in the cut? Um, it's of, of different whiskeys. Uh, it should be around 980, I believe. And then of uh, uh, bottles in total, it's it's uh, just shy of twelve. So I mean, it, it's... I, I've I've got to see a lot of cool shit. I honestly have, but like the time I spent with you, just going down a whiskey rabbit hole, because you're right there. You you know, like you said, you don't discriminate where it comes from, what it is, but there is there's an, there's an authenticity. Like I know you and I spoke about like independent bottling, and you're like, no, like I don't, I like. I don't, that's not my jam. I'm not going down that hole. And I look at your Japanese whiskey. Like, I feel like there's a ton of, res- re- because of your knowledge, there's even like more respect to like, whoa, like it's changed. It's different, but yet it's still phenomenal. And then obviously scotch is, you know, the whole, like, you know, you're talking about 2020. It's only, you know, two and a half years ago. The, the game in two and a half years has even changed with allocated bottles and all the bullshit that goes along with even getting stuff. So when you walk into a place like yours, it's, it, it's, it's a whiskey time machine with amazing food. So it's kind of like, whoa, this experience is nothing like anything else. And I think that's what blown me away. But it's also a true show of just your passion. I mean, it's your passion when you walk in there. It's, and a great team. It's something that, yeah, I got I to gotta kill a team. Like none of this would, would have been possible without all the different people that are around me supporting like what's going on, like, like day-to-day operations and just like the general like devotion that you need to have in order to actually make a restaurant function well, you know? And, and just that group of people like, owes or like I owe everything to them. You know I mean? Like, well, yes, you of can course, feel like it. You can feel it in there. I mean, the give, the give a Absolutely. shit meter is off the charts. You know, like yeah. normally you walk in and you can tell like nobody gives a shit. You know, like, oh, I'm just here Perfect. to get it done with like every single word, you know, because I, you know, obviously I spent time with you, but like, even when I came back the next day to drop some stuff off, like you could just like everybody's engaged and you don't get that dynamic in this world of restaurants and, and very often because like, to be honest, like these are normally transients that are either putting their way through school or, you know, just like making enough money to live. Whereas like 
getting actively yeah. engaged and passionate ignites a different fire. Totally. And it's just something that you like, like there are, there are places that are hospitable and then there are places that are filled with hospitality professionals. And that's what I like to talk with people about when they say like, I want to come work here. And I'm like, is this something that you've done for a long time and that you want to continue to do for a long time? Because like, I like, while I entirely respect that you want to, like you said, like put your way through school or you want to do this, you want to do that. It's like, I'm going to require that you give a 120 fucking percent if you want to come in here and do the thing just because like, you're right. Like the give a shit meter is quite high, you know, and we <laughs> don't take any less than like, than you know, like a hundred percent, you know, and granted people have off days, you know, and like that's entirely excusable, but like, yeah, are you allowed to come in, clock in and just start, start complaining about people? Fuck no. Like, yeah. that's not what we do, you know? And it's just not, it's not what we're ever going to do. So it's like, it's if you don't want to do this, it's not the culture. And it's like, culture is huge around here. So it's, it's very important to make sure that everybody understands like what all is going on and like how all it needs to be accomplished and, and just all those different little things, you know, it's like, it needs to be something that is like, like cared for, like a loving, like, like a child, you know, just because like, that's what this is. And in order for it to grow up and to be like a strong adult that can do its own thing is like, is huge to make sure and care for it like that. And every day it requires, every day it requires more, you know? So, so for, so for what you've created, um, you know, I look at when you have such a, a high end and, and I'm, and I'm not using high end from a financial terms. I'm just using high end as far as like the bar is set high. When you have a food and whiskey experience, you're not looking at many places in the United States that offer that because it's too hard. I think that's the reason why they don't do it and they're scared. You know, it's not for everybody. It requires a ton of passion and a, a ton of knowledge. I see you as just pioneering and, 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 and being, you know, there's, there's, there's a few other places, obviously, but like you're carving a niche. And does that, I mean, do you still get excited as far as like the whiskey or do you feel with your 980 bottles, you've covered it pretty well. And now like, like what's, what's the, is there an itch left to scratch other than obviously building what you're doing and, and your love? Like is in the whiskey world, I, is there still an itch to scratch? There, there always is. And I don't love, think love that there that. ever won't be, you know, and I knew the it's answer. not like, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but um, it is, yeah, it is something that we are like continually working towards, continually trying to, to con- like move the ball forward on many different fronts in that regard, where you're just there's always something to talk about. There's always like new information that's coming out. Like, and that's one of the things is about like vintage whiskey, where it's just like, you think you know everything about it. Then all of a sudden, like you start to learn more and and then you learn more about the family tree. And then this person out of history comes out and says like, Oh, well actually it was more like this. And it's just like continually changing in certain regards where, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? But just like take it. And like, I joke saying that, the best day in my professional career was a day that I confidently learned to say, I don't know. Can you help me? And yeah. that was a, that was a huge boon for me just because like growing up in like a sports environment where I, I played baseball and football religiously. I was, I was a center fielder and a quarterback. And I, like, I took a lot of pride in having all the answers for people. And it was like, and it was a big, 
emotional growth portion for me when I was at Lakosho and I realized that everybody around me had like 10 more years of experience and all they wanted me to do was to be successful and to be happy in my job. And it was like, I was trying to like prove the fact that I needed to be there. And then somebody finally like snapped me out of it. One of my very good friends, Byron, and he just yelled at me. He was like, what the hell are you doing? Everybody around here wants you to be successful. Everybody here thinks that you deserve to be here. Stop telling people that you deserve to be here and just fucking be here, you know, be here and do the thing. And I'm like, oh God, you're right. You know, I'm like trying to shove myself down people's throats. And the next day I started to look at different people and I was like, what are you, I was like, I noticed that you're doing this a little bit differently. Like, what are you, like, what are you, like, how are you doing that a little bit differently? Like, why, why is it done that way? And then I just, I went from like being like 21, 22 and just like craving knowledge to 24, 25, thinking that I knew everything. And then 27, 28 back to just like craving knowledge. And I just like gobbled everything up, you know? And from that, like now I'm in a point where I like, there's many times that I'm in the room and like, yes, I could be considered one of the more knowledgeable people in the room about like just given subjects. However, there are people that are in the room that know things that I don't, and I know things that they don't. And the only way that you figure that different stuff out is through communication and through like the desire to keep learning. And it's just one of those things that like, I'll never stop being joyful about that. Like, like telling people like, I don't know, like doesn't make me cringe anymore. I'm just like, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Like, what do you know about this? And then like, I know this, this, and this. I'm like, cool, I know this, this, and this. So it's like, let's either reach out to a different resource, let's figure this out, or let's do like a little bit of a Venn diagram thing. Because if you know this about this distillery, I know this about this distillery, and then that would mean that like the crossover would be here. So like, thank you so much for helping me learn that today. And then they're like, oh, that's great, you know? But it's like, I, I don't get any joy in trying... I don't get any joy in being like, I know enough about this. Like, that's not, that's no, not how any of no, us I think, and, and like, I, I think it's so interesting though, like, cause we got to wrap it up in a second that you said with Weller, cause I just want to add an anecdote. I had never been to Buffalo Trace to the actual distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky. And T, yeah. I, I got to go there two weeks ago and I only had three hours on property. And I'm like, I need to come back for like a full three, four days. Like, the vision that that, that this gentleman had in the 1800s to build like what it is today. I'm like, and the drawings, like they have these old like freaking lithographs of him like planning it out. I'm like, who in there? Fuck, how, what? Holy shit, what? Like I sat down with that tasting with Harlan and I'm like, I don't even know what to say, bro. Like I'm blown away. Like I'm, I'm, and I don't say that very often. Like, this foresight of what was built and what it is now, all the people involved, the, you know, Blantons and Wellers and Colonel Taylors and all these people. I'm like, Yelma T. Lee. I'm like, this is just mind blowing. No, they're mind geniuses. blowing. You know, <laughs> you it, know? like I got, I got to see Bourbon Pompeii down there and to see like, I went in there. Whole... I went, oh my God. I, yeah. I was in there for most of the time. I was like, I was like, how did they know how to bring the water? Like what the river's overflowing. Like what is going on over here? How did they know that yeah, this totally. kind of copper would be like really good copper? You're talking about 1883. This is not I like, tw- like, Hey, but busted it out yeah. in like 2012, you know, like this is yeah. 1883. There's no Google. This guy's doing it. How did you get it in there? How did you get that? Like the horses, like you got to bring in all this cement with horse hair in it. Like who knew that that was plaster? Like, yeah, blown away. Yeah. Pete, 
totally. we're out of time. I want to have you back on again because I want to talk more specifically about like different uh, whiskeys with you. Yeah. Um, I can't believe to thank you. Thank you for taking the time today, man. I really Dude, thanks so I much really, for having me, really Gavin. Anytime, man. Appreciate. Oh, I appreciate it. And then you know, guys, if you're in Seattle, Ballard Cup and Ballard Cut and Sailfit, like you just gotta go there. Like it's just it's not an experience that you can that I can really put words to. It just like it's mind blowing. And if that's up your jam and you want amazing food and the most amazing staff like you just can't but if you get a chance and you see tommy in there like you've got to try to get to him and say hey gloves off take me down the road because he does that really well <laughs> that's super kind of you man that's anytime you want to come back in let me know i'm definitely and i'd love to, to be back on and, and talk about specific things okay thanks so hey, thanks so much appreciate for you brother me.